Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now talking about why these joint practices with Baltimore this week are so crucial. It goes beyond the preseason games, folks. I think these are the two biggest days for them, two of the biggest days for them this summer. And by the way, this is the 500th edition of the John Com Report. I appreciate everybody tuning in over the years. Listen, when they when I started this, they said it wouldn't last. Actually, I think it was me who told Bram, I'm not sure if this will last. We started this in the worst period or helped grow it during the worst period of franchise history. Started in 2019, Jay Gruden gets fired after an 0-5 start. The disastrous season. Then you get the pandemic coming after Ron Rivera was hired. You get the name change. You get all the stuff that's come out since. And yet the podcast has continued to grow. We added the YouTube page a year ago, and that has continued to grow. Thanks to all of you listening. I appreciate the interest in in tuning in to hear what I have to say or the people I bring on, what they have to say. Because to be honest, that's what I like doing the most is bringing really good interviews for you. Now today it's just going to be me, but I do want I did want to take a minute to thank everybody for watching and Bram has been a great producer for this and I appreciate him having some belief that I could actually make this work. So, here we are, 500 podcasts later, still going strong and I think we're about to enter a much better period for the franchise. Now what that means this year, I don't know, but I think it will be a professionally run franchise for the first time since 1998. So there you go. And so keep tuning in because we're building momentum. Had some really good, uh, really good growth, even over the last couple of months. People who want to sponsor the podcast, now's your chance. Good time to get on board because you guys are excited. I think, again, not just about the season, but about the, re- the, the direction of the franchise, the ability to embrace them as a fan once again and not to be embarrassed. So there we go. Now. You don't want to hear me wax on about that, but I just want to say thank you to everybody. At some point uh, during this month or before the season, I will have another private Zoom session for a few of you. Not sure when. Stay tuned for that um, because I do want to do that as my way of saying thanks. I like to do that every so often. And, you know, I've always put out the offer out there to people. Like, if you know someone who's having a tough time and talking ball for 15, 20 minutes would help them, let me know. I'm happy to do it. I've done it before and I'll do it again. Anyway. Let's get back onto the field. Enough of this waxing poetic from me. To the, to the practice update, they were in pads today, and that means they're going to be in pads for three straight days because Tuesday and Wednesday in Baltimore, when they start these joint practice sessions, they will be in pads. You're not going up there to work in shorts and a helmet or just shells when you're doing this. So they'll be in pads, a really good week of work. As Nick Gates told me the other day, it's almost like these joint practices, he said it's like having three practices you get to do all this situational work. You get the 10 plays in red zone. You get, you'll get 10 plays in the blitz period or two minute or third downs, all that stuff. It's, it's quality work against a quality opponent. And I think this is going to help this team grow when 
I think one of the reasons for some of the slow starts in recent years is because I didn't think they felt found out enough about the players on their team. And part of that was because in preseason, they weren't playing them a lot. So you're relying on what you see in practice and what they saw in practice often fooled them. And, you know, you can, you can easily be fooled in practice. I'll go back to 2015. Robert Griffin III started off pretty well that summer. I felt like he, you know, he was, seemed like he was hitting a little bit of a rhythm going against uh, the, you know, you know, his own team's first defense. And I remember talking to people, you know, guys like McVay, Chris Cooley, guys around our trust and like, yeah, they do see a difference. They, they said they saw a difference. Then Houston came to town and you didn't see the difference. You saw what you had been seeing and you knew that it was, you know, this isn't to pick on, on Robert. This is just to say like it allowed, it illuminated where maybe the situation was truly at. And I think when the Patriots, we're here in Jay Gruden's, I think it was 2014. And if you remember, my colleague, Mike Reese, who covers the team for ESPN, covers the Patriots for ESPN, after that session wrote that the belief among the Patriot coaches was that Kirk Cousins was Washington's best quarterback. And there was a lot of scoffing at the time. Well, they turned out to be right. I'm not picking, again, I'm not picking on Robert. It's just more what you learn in those settings. And even that year, what you saw, what was distinctly stood out in my mind were a couple of things. One, it was the professional manner that the Patriots approached everything at, whereas I felt like the Reds, you know, Redskins were all scattered with their with everything, right? And it kind of was how they went throughout the Jay Gruden era. The, the Patriots were a well-run business operation. Their 15th year of their situation, that's fine. But you need, still need to establish what you are as a coach, even in your first year, and how you're going to approach things. I'm going to guarantee, you know, I know there's some other head coaches who would not have looked, uh, had their team looking the way they did that summer, the way that um, Washington's did. So it stood out. What also stood out to me, and I've said this before about Tom Brady, was just the intensity with which he practiced. And it was, it was a few of the other players too, but there was one time Brandon LaFell, receiver, was jogging onto the field for a rep. Brady in the huddle, now at this point, again, he'd been highly successful the Patriots have been highly successful. He yelled at LaFell to get into the huddle, to run, sprint into the huddle. That's the kind of stuff that they're in. You see a lot of that stuff from the enemy. Now, as a coach versus a quarterback, a little bit different. However, that's the intensity that you, that you need to have, to me, to maintain a certain level of success. And that was eye-opening for that. And then, you know, the other thing that jumps out are all the fights. The Houston year, a lot of fights. The Jets year, a lot of fights. Anyway, so they start those practices up in Baltimore on Tuesday. I'll do wrap-ups Tuesday and Wednesday. And I think one of those days I'm going to play an interview that I did with safety Jeremy Reeves. I thought was really good because Jeremy is really good. Anyway, let's get to some of the injury updates now and get to some on-field work today. Benjamin St. Juice did not participate. Tweaked an ankle. Not sure which one. Not sure how long he's going to be out, but it was just a tweak. So they kept him out. Again, being cautious. Logan Thomas still not out there. And Rivera was asked, are you concerned? At what point do you get concerned? And they keep saying they're not concerned yet. He is an older player, so they're going to make damn sure that he's 100% over it before they put him back out there and getting all sorts of treatment. Listen, I don't know what to tell you if there should be a concern. I don't know. What I do know, and we talked about this, I think anytime a player gets a little bit older and starts having some of those breakdowns, you always like you always wonder, okay, is this a sign or not? And we won't know until the season gets going. Chase Young went through individual work, did not participate in team, did not do the one-on-ones, and he's got the he had the stinger in his neck. 
So I don't know about what he'll be able to do in Baltimore. Federi Mathis uh, went through some stuff, not a whole lot, but did some. Um, did not actually. I'm sorry, take that back. Didn't see him out there doing anything. So um, calf injury. Offensive line coach Travell Wharton, not here right now. Suffered uh, had a little issue with his back last week. Minor surgery. He'll be back soon. I don't know when soon is. And then Sam Cosme, if you're following my Twitter feed, you would have seen that he went down at one point after a play and was laying on the ground, just kind of on all fours. Trainers came out there like, uh-oh, because that guy, I think, is a guy that you can really develop as a guard and be a key part of this offensive line. So he gets off, gets looked at the, by the trainers, limps over to the tent, but he did come back. He did participate in one-on-ones. He did participate in the full teamwork. And Sadiq Charles, first time in a padded practice, and I don't know how long, but at least a week, probably about a week and a half or so, and something like that, just an estimate. But he did participate at, starting at left guard. And they, like I said, I've told you, I, they have him first for a reason. I do think some of it is the ability to get out in space and move a little bit. But regardless, he was out there. There is still time for one more family adventure this summer. The country's largest climbing and zipline park is open seven days a week until Labor Day with eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines. The Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the perfect place to spend the last few days of summer. Once you're back on the ground, head over to Axe Throwing and try one of their brand new games. You can play Battleship, Blackjack, throw at traditional targets, or even upload your own images. They are now accepting group and family reservations for this fall. Can't make it out before school is back in session? Not to worry. The Adventure Park is open Friday through Sunday every weekend this fall. To end the summer right, listeners of this show can now get $10 off any ticket by entering the promo code kime 23 dc at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC at checkout. There's still time to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. All right, so let's get to some stuff on the field. One of the things I want to talk about is going back to Manuel Forbes. I mean, he's the first-round pick, so you got to keep going back to him once in a while. How is he looking? Well, today he had another good day. And, you know, it's funny because one of the things that players will talk about is how good he is with his eyes. And I think that comes from, first of all, being smart. I think if you are if you, if you know what you're looking at, you know how to react. And I think that's what Forbes does. That play at the goal line, I think, was an example of that. You know, you see it, you go, you make the play. And it's funny because I was talking to, to Reeves about this. And when again, you'll hear it when I play it. But one of the things he talked about is, you know, if you can get to the spot before they get there, you can, that your size isn't going to be as big a hindrance. If you're, if you're getting to a, like a running back before they square their shoulders, you got a better shot. You get there after they square their shoulders as a Derrick Henry, you're going to be in trouble, but guess what? So are most players. So the one thing Forbes understands is how to offset whatever size limitations there might be with how he plays the game. And then you see the length and the smarts. Again, you saw that in practice today. Uh, there were a couple of times where you saw it against Jahan Dotson. There was one route he's covering him, and this is in full team. Tries to shake him at the top of the route, doesn't fall for it, cuts underneath, uses that length, and, and defends, it deflects the ball. Saw that with him 
against Terry McLaurin as well. And, you know, that's what we've seen all summer. The kid can play. You know, sometimes you see those guys who get beat, you get this, but he really understands how to play the position, how he needs to position himself. And again, that's brains and study, right? That's where that comes from because you can't get that otherwise. Um, but I think, you know, listen, I'll talk about that with all the defensive backs. I think it's a smart, I've told you this, it's a smart group, really good job disguising coverages. And I think that's going to be a key part of what they do. You're not going to see a lot in the preseason. <laughs> I see it out here. You'll, you'll see, we'll see it up in Baltimore, but there are definitely times where they are able to take a look. Like there was a play in practice where they're taking a look where Jeremy Reeves want, runs with the receiver. And it's, it looks like, okay, because he goes in motion with him. All right, what are you thinking? You're thinking it's man. Well, so is Jacoby Brissett. At the snap, Reeves is going to drop and plays messed up because that's not what they were expecting. I see that time and time again where that ability to disguise is going to be crucial for them. But you get that because you have the versatility. And that's where, again, guys like Quan Martin, Percy Butler, all those guys can play multiple roles. You get the versatility, but I think you also get smarts. And that's the result of it. I think that's it's it's a part of the defense that we we saw we saw it last year. I think we saw a little bit there before too, but not I think as much as we're going to see it this year. If you want to see Montez Sweat, Chase Young finish a little bit more, if they are, I think you can you can look at the back end to see what was the impact of their ability to disguise. Are you forcing the quarterback to hold just a little bit longer in order to get home? And that's something I think that they offer. <clears throat> All right, going back to the offensive line, Ricky Stromberg, told, I told you like for a week or so now that he would get some work at guard. He got a little bit on Sunday. And then now today, Monday, in the full pad stuff, he was working there in the one-on-one -on -one drills. He was working there in full teamwork. And, you know, for a first time out there, looked he looked fine. I think the same thing, like just like I like at center, I feel like his footwork is pretty good. I feel like he's got to work on his strength a little bit more, but I liked his awareness just in there and just understanding, you know, getting the spacing right and how, uh, you know, how to see out of the corner of your eyes to help here, help inside, wherever. But I felt like he showed some good awareness uh, during some, you know, I felt like he handled the stunts well. That's some of that is a, a lot of that is awareness during the one-on-ones uh, went up against Benning Potre liked his footwork on some, but then Benning got him on looking at it, some power beat him with that. So beat him to the inside with some power. That's that strength that I think that he's going to have to just work at just, it's not working. At, you just have to get stronger. I think that will help him a lot, but I like the way he moves. I feel like he can be a good player, get stronger, get some more experience. I think he'll be able to help them. But if he wants to, again, I told you this, if he wants to play on Sunday, you've got to be able to play two positions. If you want to be active on Sunday, you have to play two positions because guys like Tyler Larson, Nolan Laufenberg, those guys can play two positions in a pinch. Like Tyler Larson's not a guard, but in a pinch during a game, he can play it. That's what they need. In an emergency emergency situation, you need him to be able to do it. And then you have, um, all right, let's see. Who else do I talk about? Chris Paul. A couple issues with the stunts today. They did some stunt work in the with O-line, D-line few issues with that sometimes it was just a matter of catching him at the wrong point one time i'm not sure he understood i don't know if he was not knowing where he was at or whatever but he kind of backed a little bit let the defender get into him as he did the stunt 
and it would have been trouble for the quarterback. Uh, I like, again, I've always liked his power and his ability to drive. Did get He did get moved back in a one-on-one, but, you know, sometimes that happens. But I've seen him win with power and seen him anchor. And I think again, there was one time against Ridgeway where he showed a good anchor. But um, so there you go. I thought, I thought um, Braden Daniels had a little bit better showing in some of those areas against guys who are like third teamers or so. But it's a start. It was a better showing for him, and that still has a long ways to go. All right. Um, oh, and you know, I want to go back because I said about Jahan, but the one, the funny thing is with Forbes and Jahan, Jahan just absolutely shook Rashad Wild Goose on a route just prior to when he was going up against Forbes, and it was just a, it's just classic Jahan, top of the route, boom, 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 little shake, cuts the inside. Wild Goose on the outside. There's a reception. That's what he does. On the one that Forbes broke up, Eric Bienemy basically yelled to him, You got it. You basically told him, Fight for it, Jahan, fight for it. I don't know that he could, I don't know what more he could have done without seeing the tape because Forbes was there and again used that length and that quickness to knife inside. That's what he does well. On Sam Howell. So a little bit, there are a couple of throws today where he was for the first time all summer where I felt like he was a little bit high on some throws. One of them went off Cole Turner's hands or went through, reaching up really high, went through the hands. Jeremy Reeves picks it off. There he goes. But Howell also threw a really, really pretty ball down the left side to Terry McLaurin, splits the defenders, uh, safety coming over, can't get there in time. Just a really nice ball, good catch by McLaurin. And, you know, I think the thing that, again, that jumps out as much as anything with with Howell is just just his demeanor. I think that's what impresses guys. The poise he plays with is something that every guy will talk about, and I think that's a good place to start. Efe Obata felt like he had a good day. Haven't talked about him much this summer, but I felt like he's had a pretty good camp. He's doing what he does. He can rush inside. He can rush outside. Felt like in the one-on-ones did a good job. So in some of those stunt work too, felt like he did a nice job. But it just kind of a reminder that this guy is there. And it's why when you look at the defensive line battle for 10 rush spots, I mean, FA's got to be on there. So really, to me, a lot of it could come down to, do you keep KJ Henry or do you keep Andre Jones? And Henry, I felt like had a pretty good look like he had a good day. And sometimes it's hard to tell, man. It's, if you're not watching the practice film, it can be really hard to tell because I'm going to take a look at a few plays and say, oh, that was, those are good plays. Well, the coach is going to see seven others that maybe run counter to what you think. So on the plays, there were a couple of times, though, where I saw him where I felt like he was able to drive into some guys. The one thing I, w- I wonder about um, with him is, is he developed enough? Does he have that length that you need as a pass rusher to really hammer home? Jones has, the, I think, a lot of athleticism. So it would be curious to see how that unfolds during the preseason. Oh, and then Mason Brooks, offensive lineman. He was the big talk like a week or so ago because he had a couple of really good reps against Mathis. Rivera, after that practice, if you recall, said that he had a ways to go. And so sometimes you're like, okay, you're going to try and keep it quiet. So that way, if you get exposed, nobody's going to pick him up. But I think in watching him, like I like the way he moves. I think he has, a, I think he's worth developing, but I would tend to agree that he still has a ways to go to, to stick on the roster. So you can only keep so many guys as backups who are developmental, and I would put Daniels as a developmental guy. Uh, Stromberg's a young guy, but I think he could help you certainly earlier than those guys. So you want to make sure you have some veterans who can play right now, but keep those guys, if you can keep them on practice squad, develop them, 
But Brooks, a couple times today uh, against, let's see, what did he do? Um, Ridgeway drove him back in a one-on-one. I think Henry backed him up on a stunt. So uh, gets him to the Henry wins to the inside. So like little things like that. But that's again inexperienced. I like how he moves, and I think he's worth keeping around in some capacity to develop. But I wonder, like for for a roster spot, I think it'd be tough right now to say he should be on there. See where it goes in the next couple of weeks. Dax Milne had a highlight catch, a one-handed catch down the side. Now, in all honesty, I think Jacoby Brissett had about eight seconds of throw. I don't know if you're going to get, you're not going to get that in the game unless you're RG three up in the Meadowlands way back when. But after the catch, you could hear the defensive players on the other side of the field that were yelling, "Dax, he would have smoked you, Dax, he would have smoked you." And there was a defensive back over there. I think they felt like would have certainly smoked him. So Dax playfully um, made a little gesture as a. To remind them he was number one, except there wasn't an index finger. So take, you know, use your imagination, just in play, just playing around. And I think they all got a kick out of it. But that's some of the fun stuff from practice. Sadiq Charles felt like in the one on ones, he had one really good rep against John Allen, and then another one where Allen just used that quickness, got around him, and it was over. So, but Charles, again, he went back to the full team work. Um, and I think that's a good sign. There was one time the enemy got after them, the O-line during one drill, and basically yelled to him, you know, we're going to either play or we're going to get our asses kicked. So, you know, he likes to get them charged in the morning there. Often tells them to wake up, wake up, wake up. Not just the line, but the entire offense. And then there was another time that Biennemi yelled out to Todd Storm, the assistant uh, tight ends coach, told him about a player. If he's not going, he's not going to block. If he can't block, he's not going to play. It's that simple. I don't know for sure he's talking about, but the new guy, Caden Smith, was out on the play. There's a little screen to the right. So, you know, who knows? But bottom line is there's a standard here for it. And certainly if, if you're a new guy, if you're a young guy, you better be able to block. That's why John Bates is valuable to them because he can block. Anyway, that's it from me. Again, thank you very much for continuing to tune in on episode number 500. So you may see some like confetti dropping or not. Maybe you won't. I don't know. And I'm not throwing a big party or anything like that. But, you know, if anybody wants to throw a big party, get me a big cake, a big bottle of champagne, I'm okay with that. Anyways, regardless, I appreciate you tuning in. As always, I'll be back on Tuesday from Baltimore, or at least Owings Mills, with another practice report. So I'll talk to you next time.